pretty excited to introduce our final guest speaker of the summer. Um, his name is Dave Carlson, and he's the founder of Foster the City, formerly known as Foster the Bay. And Foster the City, uh, their vision is to equip churches to provide homes for kids in the foster care system. And since 2015, they've um, placed two, uh, 629 kids uh, in homes. So, you know, that's a pretty amazing thing to be doing here in the Bay Area. So, yeah. And uh, Kern has been has had the privilege of partnering with them for the last five years. Uh, if you've been part of Kern Group, you may have you may remember um, I've been packing gifts for the, for the children, um, attending social uh, social worker events, and of course giving uh, through the year-end impact efforts. And in fact, actually, thanks to your generous giving these past years, we can say. Uh, we're, we'll be donating another $15,000 to Foster the Bay this year. So, yeah. Thank you all for your generosity. Uh, so, yeah, without further ado, uh, Dave, we're so grateful uh, for the gospel work you guys are doing. Uh, oh, there you are. <laughs> uh, we're honored, truly honored to be continued uh, partners, uh, and we love having you here all the time. So, let's give a warm welcome to Dave. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Current, for having me here. I just want to clarify something. Um, I am not the founder of Foster the City. Uh, my buddy Philip might tackle me and sue me for libel or something if that happens. Um, if you put it in business terms, uh, I would be employee number three. So before we had a name, before we had a model, we were in an office dreaming up what it would look like. But just to set the record straight, um, I also pastor a church, and uh, it's right down the road in San Jose. And... Uh, Kind of neat to be driving up here to be with you guys, just recognizing there's churches worshiping all over the Bay Area this morning. Um, you know, try as you might, you can't hide from me. Uh, I've been with you four times, and this is now the third location. I have to hunt you down and find where is current SV meeting right now. Um, the very first time was the last Sunday of my very first sabbatical, much like David and Cindy. Uh, I went a long time in ministry before getting a sabbatical, and I uh, was so grateful for our church to do that. It was really a gift. Uh, it was revolutionary for my family, for my heart, for our church. I'm um, really excited for David to come back next week, um, and just uh, when things settle in, I'm going to grab coffee with him and kind of hear the lessons he's learned and whatnot. Um, but as a pastor of a church, I don't get to go um, to other churches very often. And I chose your church as the last one because I was so excited with David. I kind of walked through the journey with him of getting this started. And it was one of the, um, the years, it was 2018, I think. We were having fires that summer. You were in a community center. Um, and uh, so good, years later, to be with you now at two other locations getting to talk to you. And, uh, and I love this theme, Recharge. I'll tell you how pastors dream series like this up in our head. We think, oh, we'll do a series and uh, sort of to visualize it on our phone, people's, you know, green bar of their battery will go up and by the last one, it'll be all topped off. That's not really how life goes at all. Um, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad this is, is this week three? Is that correct? At the third and final. Um, this theme and kind of the season that we're in, much like your church, Neighborhood Bible Church in San Jose, we have a lot of families with 
kids going back to school. Uh, we have teachers, so everything is ramping up. We share a fence line with a public middle school, so there's all kinds of ministry to loving our neighbors, and so we're in that same ramp-up mode. Um, you know, we all have the words COVID and quarantine in our library of words now, and so that means that this school year and every school year before or after is going to be a piece of cake because we went through those times, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I actually have nine children, and during shutdown, during quarantine, we broke the rules every day in Santa Clara County because you weren't supposed to gather more than 10 in a, in a, in a household, uh, and we had 11 at any given moment. Um, during that season, um, we had eight kids uh, in five different schools, each with nonstop live streaming needs going on, and that was the year that our two youngest were starting first grade on iPads. So, um, yeah, I'm a walking miracle uh, <laughs> that I survived all of that craziness. It was pure insanity. Um, let me give you a little metaphor. Uh, we were just in Hawaii. My brother lives on Oahu, and uh, my wife turned 50 this year, and all she ever said for two years, I'm like, what do you want to do for your birthday? All she ever said was, I just want to be on a beach in Hawaii with you. And I kept telling her for two years, well, that'll never happen. Well, for two years, uh, <laughs> gift of encouragement. Uh, so for two years, I'm like just working on making this happen. And, um, and we had two of our kids get married off this year in May and in July. So, uh, so we had all this stuff going on, and there was this little sliver of time between the last wedding, end of July, and the start of school when I surprised my wife and got her over to Oahu. So we're flying home, and the flights are so impacted getting home from Oahu, we took a little island hopper to Maui. I have a picture at 8 p.m. of Lahaina and the Kaanapali coastline that we just saw on that image. Um, 12 hours later, 8 a.m. is when those fires were reported to have started and whatnot. Uh, and so, man, my heart is there. We have friends there. We had, um, my daughter had just been honeymooning in Kaanapali, so uh, we're just praying for that. But, you know, it reminded us, uh, you just never know what life is going to throw at you. And just the gift of, um, of each moment. On that vacation, uh, my wife's phone broke. She had a crack in it, and we bought a dry bag to go snorkeling. It wasn't a very good dry bag because it got wet. And so she is currently on an iPhone 8, a borrowed iPhone 8, and this phone needs to be plugged in at all times or else it dies. And so I thought about this recharge theme, and I thought, man, everywhere my wife goes, she has to hunt for a plug or a battery or whatever. And I thought about it. I said, you know, this seriously impacts use of a phone, and it's not how the designer intended the phone to work. All this freedom of our phones is limited if we're constantly needing to be uh, replugged in. So there's a little parable for you. You can unpack that with your small group this week. I'm not sure all that it means, but I thought that has to fit somehow. All right. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down or mentally write down. You're not going to share these, so you can be honest. Um, write down three things you hope to accomplish before you die. So just I want you to think through, th what are three things you hope to accomplish? And let these be just sort of like spur of the moment. Like just think through three things, okay? And then as you're writing those three, I want you to star the top one. So write down three things, think through three things, and then go, but if I only could do one, what would I put the asterisk next to? We're in the Silicon Valley, so I'm hoping you're working quickly with this. This group project is supposed to take seven seconds. Done. All right. 
Um, by doing that, by making that mental list or that actual list and then starring, congratulations, you've just prioritized. You've just prioritized, right? You've taken a list of three and boiled it down to one. So this morning I'm asking this question, what is the most important thing? And I know you're all thinking, clearly it's coffee, but we're in church, so it's probably Jesus. That's probably the answer we're supposed to go for. And what we're going to discuss this morning is a question of priorities and just thinking about that. We all know how to prioritize, and we all have problems with this. Uh, for, sometimes we just don't set priorities, and this is evidenced by how everyone shops at Costco, right? They go there for a couple items, and they come home with just mounds of stuff that they'll never, ever use. Um, and then it's one thing to set priorities. It's another thing to evaluate your priorities and actually live by our, your priorities, right? And then finally, we set them, but our priorities are actually crooked. Um, sometimes people say, man, you need to get your priorities straight, right? What is that telling you? It's telling you that you have priorities. You've made a list. You've made an asterisk. You've put numbers next to it but they're leading you to the wrong place. And sometimes you might self-talk this. I need to get my priorities straight. What am I doing? So we all are doing this all the time. So the need for prioritization is obvious. We are swamped by decisions and options and opportunities like never before. And then if you add into that mix... Uh, that many of you here in this room struggle with focus and follow through, it leads to exhaustion and frustration, right? So we're trying to do the right thing. We get moments of clarity where we go, yes, this is what I ought to be about. That's what I want my life to look like. And then it's hard to actually follow through. Most of you are sitting in this room, I believe, uh, because we want to live well. We are thinking past the weekend, we haven't just thought, let's get to the weekend, let's do some fun stuff, and then let it start all over again. We're thinking about a much bigger picture. We want to do right by those that we love. We want to steward the gifts that God has given us. So let me say to you, many of you, maybe this is your normal routine, but you are prioritizing weekly worship. I think that's a really important thing just to state out front, that what we're doing here um, is more than just singing a few songs, listening to a little mini Christian TED Talk, and then going home and doing some stuff. That's not what we're doing. We're actually here worshiping the King of Kings, and I love how it was said. I just, it's just so good to like receive the promises of God. God, you're good. You're never going to let me go. And just, yeah, like that's reprioritizing for me. I'm a pastor, and, and God fills me up every single Sunday. I feel the need. I sense the need for, yeah, I need to be here remembering these things. Some of you in this room or listening online uh, might be just getting your feet wet. You're unsure about the Bible, uh, Jesus, and the gospel, but you've decided to investigate. For whatever reason, you're here or you're listening in. You're like, let me check this thing out. Maybe there's a reprioritization going on. We live in a place where there's tons to do. There's beautiful weather all the time, and yet some of you might be here for, for the first time or really early on in this journey going, I'm, I'm reprioritizing my Sunday morning because I'm sensing something deeper. And to that, I would just say kudos. I'm glad that you're here. If you have a Bible or you swipe to a Bible or you memorize the Bible, turn in your brain, device, or paper Bible to Matthew 11. That's where we're going to be. You know, priorities is all about choices. So choosing between good and bad is relatively easy, right? 
Choosing between good and bad is relatively easy. Um, but how about choosing what is best? Oftentimes, best is crowded out by good or better. Christina's going to come up and uh, help me out with something here. So come on up, Christina. This whole idea of greater than, that little symbol, um, and this whole idea of, of prioritizing, um, I'm not going to beat you up today. I'm not going to give you a uh, sort of a time management conference. Rather, I pray today is actually like a really deep um, breath, a really deep sigh uh, that would actually bring relief to you. You see, understanding what is greater than frees up time and energy because you're able to focus and then set down the non-essentials. And that's a really freeing thing. All right, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, Jesus talking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We just sang this. Those of you who've walked with God for a long time or a short time know this. God is good. God is good. And stressed out, overworked kids who introduce themselves as busy so often that it's mistaken for a part of their name doesn't reflect a good, loving, providing father. It does no honor to him. We live in the valley of the heavy laden who are in need of rest. This idea of a yoke being easy and a burden is light. You know what that is? That's the word grace. Christians know this word well. We cling to it. Can you even imagine a boss or an authority figure in your life, much less a father, who gives this kind of invitation? Listen, there is a yoke to bear in life. There always will be. Burdens exist. But Jesus is saying, with me, it's easy to bear it. That yoke is meant to be easy to bear. When you're with me, the lifting on your part is actually light. Do you hear the invitation? That's the invitation Jesus is giving to us. And so if we're not walking in that, if we're not experiencing it, if we've never known that, if we can't even imagine that being true, I pray the words of Jesus are like an invitation to you that you, would, that you would lean in and go, I wonder if what this guy's talking about, I wonder if what Jesus says actually means that. Jesus tells a parable of the four soils in Luke chapter 8. And it's where seed, seed is sown in different places, and he says there's a path, and the seed was trampled by, uh, and, and birds ate it up. Uh, he gives it a rock, and it, grew, it grows up, but it, it withers. He talks about it going into the thorns, but it grew up, and it was choked out. And then some of the seed, you know, fell in the good soil. And what happens to the seed that falls in good soil? It grows up and produces an incredible harvest. And as he tells the stories, the disciples go, wait, What? We don't really get it. What are you talking about? You told this. Why do you speak so confusingly? And Jesus says, okay, I'll explain it to you. And as he goes to explain it, here's what he explains in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
the ones along the path are the ones who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So in this whole idea of recharge and thinking about prioritizing our lives like Jesus, what leaps out to me for our city and our time is that seed among the thorns. The seed that falls among the thorns, they hear the word of God, but as they go on their way, as they go on their way to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of our week, as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, catch this, and they do not mature. So as Christians, there is an ongoing concern that we would hear the word of God and then walk away distracted rather than as disciples. And that is just a massive temptation. I think through all of church history, but certainly in our valley and sort of where we live and the technology we hold in our hands, this is certainly true. So prioritizing like Jesus, if you're taking notes or you want to jot some things down, these are the the things I'd like you to consider. Number one, prioritizing like Jesus will require short-term pain. So like many, many things in life, this is generally true, isn't it? In school and in work and in your physical body, in your finances, that if you want greater reward, it often requires short-term pain. It's true of your priorities as well. The principle is this, immediate gratification often robs us of greater gratification, It's easy to treat God's word a little bit like a Google search, where we're sort of always hunting, if we're a Christian, to say, what does God have to say on X, Y, Z? And so we sort of type in our little search and look for the things that we need. So we might type in temptation, or dealing with jealousy, or breaking free of rage, or breaking free of boredom, how to raise toddlers who love Jesus, And we're searching for the key of an eternally blissful marriage. And so search and search and search we go, kind of looking through the word of God. But here's the question. How often do we ever step back and just remember the big things? Sort of see the forest for the trees. And here's another question. What if our own sin and confusion lead us to never put the right question in the search field? So I implore Christians wherever they go, this is the power of reading the Bible straight through. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean Genesis to Revelation. That's like walking into a library, starting on your left, and just picking out a book and starting to read around in a circle. The 66 books of the Bible are a library of Scripture. 
But when you grab a book of the Bible and you really get the flow of it and you understand what's happening, here's what goes on over and over and over. It's one of the biggest faith builders in my life is that God speaks to things that I'm not asking about. I have no idea that I need. And he speaks to me in ways and times that are super relevant, uh, but, but I never have seen it that way before. And all of that comes from just sort of reading a Bible reading program. I need that in my life. I just need to read Bible reading programs so I know kind of what to read and kind of get through the scriptures in different ways each year. So one of the huge benefits of this is, is, is coming across a verse like Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? Well, if you read it in context, you see it's, remember the seed, they're choked out by the worries and cares and pleasures of this life. All those things. All those other things you're searching for in the search field, God's, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. That word first is just priorities, right? He's giving us a sense of what our priorities should be. So seeking kingdom priorities will not come easy and it won't come natural to us, but it will always be worth it. Number two is this, prioritizing like Jesus does something um, tangible really immediately. Prioritizing like Jesus will make lesser decisions easier. So prioritizing like Jesus makes lesser decisions easier. Keeping the main thing the main thing is hard, but necessary. Now, we have a little contest that I want to do right now, and um, I'll just say this, that prizes and phones are in play, okay? So I want someone, and once you have it, you have to stand up and tell me so uh, that, that you have this, so I can see, but I want to hear the month, the day, and the year of when the last spike was driven in the transcontinental railroad. Go. You got it. All right, let's hear it. Awesome. What's your name? Jackson. Jackson. Give it up for Jackson. That was pretty good, Jackson. I didn't get through one round of Jeopardy song, and you, and you were up, and you had it. I love it. Here's what's funny. There's probably an introvert or two in here. They're like, I had it. I was, <laughs> my, wife, my wife would have had it from memory. She's like, I ain't standing up, but I got it. So there's someone, Jackson, who's judging you a little bit right now. So forgive them. No, good job. I appreciate that. Um, just the fact, how many of you humored me and tried? Raise your hand. I want to see your, your hand up. All right, not as many as I thought. Like, just so you're like, I'm not doing it, preacher. I don't even know who you are. But the fact that so many of you could very quickly get at that information underscores that there is a ton vying for your attention. There's so much information out there that's available to you in a moment. Some of you have brains that go like this. We're talking and someone says, I wonder when, you know, the first iPhone came out. We're in the Computer History Museum, so I thought I'd throw that out. And some of you just let that pass, and some of you can't let that pass. So you're like doing the thing. And so over and over and over, all through life, there's all this stuff vying for our attention. 
All right, look at this picture. The Transcontinental Railroad provided a powerful picture of priorities for us. Keeping on the right track, so to speak. We had two railroad country, uh, companies that were tasked with the job of uniting the country via railroad. And this is sort of the 19th century version of the internet, right? Or Amazon. It was going to connect things in a really profound way. Over the next seven years, the two companies would race toward each other, one from Sacramento, California, the other one from Omaha, Nebraska, struggling against great risks before they finally met. The territory they were working in was poorly mapped, and there was constantly a need for mid-course correction. But one truth made thousands upon thousands of decisions way easier. They had to meet the track coming the other way. Do you see how getting the main thing makes all the other decisions way easier? So this sounds a lot like life. Poorly mapped, lots of decisions to be made, and resources that are at stake. So what is that one goal guiding it all? Go left, go right, go over, blast straight through. What is going to get us to stay on track, lining our life, pointing it in a direction such that it meets up with that which is coming the other way? Look at this next picture. They celebrated with some bubbly, a golden railroad spike, and a paycheck. I want you to think of what the Bible speaks to as Jesus puts an invitation out to followers to follow him. And what reward awaits us? Jesus describes a picture where he will say to those at the end of their life, well done, good and faithful servant. In essence, mission accomplished. Enter into your, what's the word he uses? Rest. So we can get the main things right. So much else that confounds us will work itself out. Here's number three. Jesus modeled something else about priorities. Prioritizing like Jesus works best in community. Jackson, I want you to come on up here for a second. Come up on stage right here and stand right here. So Jackson was thinking, he's like, you said phones were in play, but you said prizes were in play. Jackson, I didn't forget. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand behind this. And as you can clearly see, there's a choice in front of you, okay? You only get to pick one stack of Oreos. And before you do, um, how many of you by applause think he's going to make a wise decision? <laughs> All right. All right. How many of you don't think he's going to make a very wise decision? Anyone willing? Yeah, a few of you. You're like, you're like I'm convinced he's not going to do it right. Okay. Um, now, um, I want you to go ahead and... Pick your stack, and then you can, you can hold it in your hand. Which one do you go with? Do I have to eat it? Uh, there's, uh, there's nothing else I can say about it. You just have to make your choice. Uh, I'm picking this one. Okay. <laughs> grab, your, grab your stack. Okay, just hold it there for a second. Give it up for Jackson. <laughs> so, some of you already, you're like, see, I knew it. He wasn't going to make the right choice. Or others, you're like, yep, he made the right choice. Now, let me just toss out some ideas. I didn't expect what Jackson just said. I didn't expect a follow-up question, but this is the beauty of life. Now, it may be, I, I was thinking, maybe it's small because in his mind, he's been learning this lesson that bigger is not always better. So maybe he's applying some deeper truths that he's, he's got on. Maybe he's diabetic, <laughs> right? And he's, he's like, man, I don't want to die. So, so why would I pick the biggest stack? Um, Maybe 
maybe he's a neat freak, and he's like, you know, Oreos are kind of messy. Now, if he had picked the, the middle stack, the, the medium one, um, maybe, he's, uh, maybe he's like, hey, I'm not an extremist, right? I'm not going like all in or just kind of, I'm going to go kind of middle of the road. I don't know you, Jackson, at all. Have we met before? Is this staged? No, not at all. <laughs> um, maybe he's on a diet. So his, his brain was like, oh, I would have totally gone after the bigger stack, but I'm trying to show some restraint, so I'll go the middle. Like, we don't know what's going on in Jackson's brain. Um, for the large one, maybe, you know, had he chosen the large, maybe he just has a massive sweet tooth. Maybe he has a ton of friends and he's a really generous person. He's like, I need to get these cookies out to all of my, all of my buddies. Um, but Jackson, why'd you, why'd you choose that small one? I was nervous that you were going to make me eat. Okay, good. So <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, he's a planner, right? He's like priorities. I'm already, I'm two steps ahead of you, preacher. All right, give it up for Jackson. You can take those. Yeah. All right, here's the point. For each person, the priorities being worked out are, are, are just different. There's different things going on in someone's head. So celebrate that and let that go on. Um, we have a lot of personalities in our home. And so I'm constantly being reminded that a person might be making a decision because, duh, they think differently than me. They're not the same person as me. So it is in the family of God. You focus on your priorities. God created the church to be a family, and he compared it to a body. So think about this. Kingdom first living is fleshed out differently for an earlobe than a pinky, right? So if you use this metaphor of, 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 a, of a church body, um, we have earlobes and we have pinkies here. So as you're working through life and having priorities, it's going to look different. Kingdom first living is a call for the whole body, but it's not to have everyone conform to your toenailness, right? Or whatever part of the body you are, God has designed you and wired you and said, you just go be a toenail. Be the best toenail you can be. You're really important. But don't make everyone else conform and don't judge everyone else by why they made this decision and not this one or this one. So much friction goes on in a family and certainly in a church family by trying to make other people conform to you. Or laying down your toenailness and seeing pinkies and go, I really think I should be deciding like that. I think those are the priorities for me. Disciples quite simply hear and do what Jesus says. That's the simplest definition I give people for, for what a disciple does. They don't just hear and they don't just do. They listen intently. It's an ongoing listening posture and then they do. And then if there's mid-course corrections, not if, when, then they make those adjustments. Jesus modeled this, and he calls others to walk with him. But notice that he walked his own unique calling. Jesus worked out his priorities in community, but he also had unique priorities. His cross was his meeting of the other rail coming the other way. And as his life gets sort of closer and closer to the end here on earth, he says over and over this idea of, I must go to Jerusalem. I must leave this place. And he just, he just had this honing of what his priorities were as he did that. Let me close with something I hope is really practical to you. It's just a little snapshot of some ways this has sort of worked out um, for me. So you can kind of see this put into practice. I give myself mainly to, to three things. A big family, a relatively small church, and foster the city. 
Those are sort of the three things that, that my life steers toward. In fact, on my sabbatical, I really went like this. I said, God, uh, I think you still want me in the local church. Do you want me in this local church? I helped plant it almost 17 years ago. I'm, I'd be thrilled to keep staying there and keep pouring into this place, but I'm really open. And uh, I wasn't going to bail on my family, so that was unquestioned, right? So, so that one's set. Easy. Easy. That's a big one. I already know that. But church in Foster City were wide open. I love my work at Foster City. It's thrilling to me. God's doing unbelievable things. But God, I'm willing to just like diminish that. Do you want that to be a smaller part of the, of the slice of the pie? Do you want it to grow? So it's just really open. I do that periodically anyways. My wife and fourth oldest daughter are not here with me today because she's going back to college this morning. So here's a really simple way this fleshes out. My daughter getting back to college and my wife being with her is more important than her coming and doing ministry with me. We love going together to a church, but that takes priority over you. Easy, simple. At the start of this year, January, my wife and I did what we always do. We go, we sort of map out our year and sort of think through different things. And we said to each other, we said, with two weddings, our first two weddings of our own children coming up, my wife's 50th birthday party and a college graduation, from now until early August, it is going to be like both of us have a part-time job planning things and just doing stuff. And so let's brace for that. Let's just prepare and, um, and, and do that. And that's exactly what happened. Let me tell you uh, about a family in our church. Uh, we have a family in our church who uh, just this weekend is taking their, uh, their daughter off to college and uh, moving her into the dorms. Last Sunday we announced to our church family the thrilling news that they just got their final approval for something that's called refugee foster care. So there are 10,000 um, young people who are living on military bases in the United States right now today that are in need of a loving, stable home, not necessarily to adopt them and change their name and all of that, but just to love them into adulthood. So we celebrated as a church that this family just finished their final approval. This is the family taking their daughter off to, to college. Do you know the planning and prioritization to, to, to think ahead of time and say, we're going to have square footage in the Silicon Valley. God, how would you have us do this? Now, lest you think, oh, well, they're empty nesters. They have four younger children. This is their oldest of five. He works a really demanding Silicon Valley job. You don't get there to do those great things just by accident. These are priorities at work, aren't they? And so what a thrill for us as a church to recognize you guys are going to need some help. So the one doing this, uh, the wife is the foster the city advocate at our church. Do you know she's now the fourth or fifth advocate at our church that I've had to lovingly fire? I fire an advocate once they're taking foster children into their home because every single day they will be doing foster ministry and we need someone else to raise up and do the other work. It just makes sense. So it's been a really, really beautiful picture. I'm going to pray and the band's going to come back up. Um, let me leave you with this. I think it is utterly transforming to know that God has priorities for you. So lest we just sort of linger on this idea of, I want to get it right, I want to get it right, getting my priorities right with God. Know that God has priorities for us. 
He is focused and committed to transforming us. Romans 8.30 says this, that those that he justified, he also glorified. Isn't it amazing to think God never has to reprioritize? He never has to straighten out his priorities over you. He's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and he's working it right now today. Pray with me. God, we just rest in that truth. Uh, I pray for these people, Lord. I pray for this church, this local community, uh, the worlds of people that each person sitting here represent because they're in relationship with them. God, that we would come alongside and cooperate with your priorities, with what you're doing already, not just in us, but through us to others. Amen.